Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Black Dan by Jack Boyle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dale Grothman. A new story of Boston Blackie and a dog that could detect a policeman through any disguise black dan by jack boyle red dan gunman and gig was dying beside him watching with searing understanding and the grief of utter loyalty and love lay black dan his dog between the coughs that racked the man's tortured lungs his wasted hand groped for the shaggy head of the comrade and friend who had shared the perils and hatreds and intermittent successes of Red Dan's stormy, eventful life. Dan, he gasped. Dan, boy, here. Whining softly, the dog crept closer and laid his head across his master's hand. Good old pal, whispered Red Dan. The coppers never got us, Danny. We fought em, boy, fought em together, and won out. But we can't fight this that's got me now, Dan. I'm all in, pal. The man's voice trailed off. The dog whined again and licked the stiffening fingers. From beside the bed, a girl, pale to the whiteness of snow, sprang to her feet and bent over the pillows fearfully. Slowly the man's eyes opened. Marcia, hold me up. I have something to say. To you, girl. She slipped her arm beneath his shoulders and raised him. I'm at the end of the trail, Marcia, and I'm seeing things now different from ever before. You've loved me, girl, and I've known it. But— Oh, Dan, dear, I have. I do, she cried, sobbing. We might have been happy, but I wouldn't listen to my own heart, he went on, his voice sinking to a whisper. I was afraid to trust a woman. Marcia, afraid to trust even you, though I know now that I could, like I trusted Danny. Take care of him for me, Marcia. He's been my pal all through. Like you should have been, too. Treat him right, girl. Promise me that. For my sake, if you love me, treat Black Dan right. At the mention of his name from the dying lips, the dog edged forward, whining. Red Dan reached blindly for the girl's hand and found it, and laid it with his own on the dog's head. 
Go with her, Danny boy, he said, laboring for each word. Go with Marcia. And Danny, wear coppers, like I taught you. At the word coppers, Black Dan raised himself on his haunches. His neck hair stiffened, and he uttered a peculiar, moaning growl. That's it, Danny. Wear coppers, persisted the man. We fought em, you and I, and they couldn't get us. But now, wear coppers, Dan. Wear the bulls, Dan. The fingers that held the girl's hand against the dog's head relaxed. The man's head drooped. His eyes closed. For the first time in twenty years, Red Dan Grogan, gunman and crook, was beyond the horizon of the police, whom he had hated and fought throughout a wasted life. 2. Of course you didn't get him. Larry Renter, detective chief of Seattle, snapped out the question viciously as a subordinate entered his office. That's right, we didn't, chief, but... The chief's hairy fist struck the table. But, he cried scornfully, there's always a but when you has-been detectives try anything. Nothing doing, but that's all I hear, with all the crooks west of Chicago here and stealing everything in town but the headstones in the cemetery. Something's got to be done, Reardon. I'm telling it to you. A bunch of you four-flushers are going to lose your seats mighty soon and go back paddling the pavement in uniform if you don't bring in somebody for something. It was that damnable crooked dog that queered us again, Chief. He began the discomforted detective. The crooked dog, eh? shouted Reardon angrily. We've got men crooks and women crooks and kid crooks all working day and night, and me without one pinch even to bluff about. And now a dog is playing the game, too. Fine. I don't blame him. He's perfectly safe. There isn't even a dog-catcher among you fly-dicks. Again, the chief's big fist jarred his table. Well, spill your yarn, he commanded fiercely. Let's hear the sorrowful tale. I've the best bunch of stool pigeons any man ever had. I tip you fellows from this desk what these crook mobs are going to do, and when and where, and you come in empty-handed and blame it on a dog. What did he do? Show his teeth and scare you off, I suppose. We was planted in the logging house opposite the brewery, answered Reardon, flushing under the arraignment. A car drove past the brewery kind of slow, just after midnight. It went round the block and came back again. I knew it must be the birds we wanted, and I slipped down to the front door with Mulligan and Eads and Costigan at my back, all ready to rush them the moment they stopped. I'm looking out the glass panel when I see a black shadow on the sidewalk just in front. Then I hear something sniffing at the bottom of the door. Right away there is a moaning kind of howl from the sidewalk. The car was slowed to a walk, but the moment he heard that howl, the driver gave her the juice. We all ran out, and so help me, that same black dog I told you about before was beating it up the street after the car. It slows up two blocks down, and the dog jumps on the running board. 
Then a whole bunch was off sixty miles an hour. We waited all the rest of the night, but they never came back. Did you think they would? Beat it. I want to think the business out, ejaculated Reardon scornfully. He thrust his cigar between his teeth and settled back in his chair, chewing thoughtfully. For the fourth time in a month his men had come in with the story of a black dog which had frustrated a carefully planned police snare based on positive information of the plans of the crook world which seemed, just then, to have made the sound city its mecca. Every time the dog had detected the hidden policeman and warned his pals with a cry, half howl, half moan, which, as one nerve-shaken officer said, fair made my blood turn cold. Rentner's bushy eyebrows drew together as his mind concentrated on this, the strangest problem of his twenty years of police service. It sounds like a hypo's dream, he muttered, and yet it must be true. I've got to land that dog. His heavy lips parted in a grin. What a whale of a story for the newspaper, boys, if we could catch this thief dog, take him into court, have him sentenced to death and execute him publicly. That yarn would keep the papers in good humor with me for a month. I'll do it. But how? Ten minutes later, Larry Rentner turned the key in the door of his office, took a private phone from the drawer in his desk, and called a number. A nervous voice answered. This is R, said the detective chief. Meet me at the usual place on the hill at once. What? No excuse, meet me. He hung up the phone without waiting for an answer. As Chief Rentner's car stopped at the corner on the heights above the city, a man, whose frightened backward glance revealed full knowledge of the peril, stepped from the doorway and leapt into the car, where he at once drew the curtains. "'Nervous, eh, Shorty?' said Rentner scornfully. "'Why wouldn't I be?' ejaculated the newcomer, turning on his questioner with a mingled hatred and fear. "'You and your half-witted dicks and that cursed dog have put me where my life's hanging by a thread. The Montana kid knows one of us is stoolin' to you. If he ever suspects me, my funeral i'll get em all the dog too the next job they try to pull not through me you won't i'm done oh no you're not shorty mcnutt have you forgotten you're on parole from walla walla with a twenty-year jog hanging over you i can take you down to headquarters now and you'll be in stripes tomorrow you're going to do exactly what i tell you the ex-convict groaned prison if I quit you. A bullet sure as fate from my pals if I don't. Cut the hysterics, interrupted Rentner relentlessly. Here's your orders. The Montana kid will try another job in a night or two. When he does, you'll tip me off again to the time and place, and I'll do the rest. There'll be no bloomer this time. Their eyes met in a bitter conflict of will, and after long seconds, Shorty McNutt's glance wavered and fell. I'm a fool fish who swallowed the hook, he said. I'll go through for you once more, 
but if you rumble this time never again is that a bargain sure agreed rentner contemptuously as he slipped the handcuffs out of sight i'll get the whole mob dog and all there'll be no need for a next time who owns the dog a girl what's her name nothing doing rentner she's not in on any of our jobs she doesn't belong with the mob she lends us the dog for outside protection when we have something on i hope you get him he's taken a dislike to me so help me chief i believe the dog knows he won't know anything when i'm done with him answered rentner confidently three boston blackie and marcia called the marigold girl sat opposite each other in washoe sam's crook refuge their faces betrayed the seriousness of the point they discussed i can't take a chance blackie the girl said dan isn't a dog to me he's a person and red dan left him to me in trust if a fault of mine cost that dog's life i'd never be able to face the man i've always loved never in heaven or hell boston blackie rose as if to leave her only your own judgment should decide it marcia matters like this are beyond outside advice then i'll not risk him again with the girl's words still on her lips the room door opened and the montana kid entered let us have him once more marcia he pleaded i've a snitch in my mob i admit that but i'm going to locate him this time as for black dan i'll protect him with my life just once more marcia marigold girl hesitated decide for me blackie she said turning to him in perplexity i'll not advise you but i will second montana's promise answered blackie i'll protect him as i would my best pal if black dan goes out tonight i'll go too though money wouldn't tempt me otherwise great you're on blackie called the montana kid it's mighty good of you to take a chance with such a bunch as mine i'm doing it for the dog only for him then i consent dan goes this once but never again if there's trouble tonight conceded marcia grudgingly again the door opened and a man stood on the threshold it was shorty mcnutt a phone for you montana he said apologetically from beneath the table came a low growl black dan crook dog had pronounced judgment on mcnutt alone of the four in the room boston blackie noticed the dog's verdict a dog trained by a dead master to wear coppers mcnutt subservient in the presence of recognized superiors hesitated a moment then backed out and disappeared did you hear that montana asked blackie his eyes on the dog's bristling hair what inquired the yegg chief nothing perhaps replied blackie hesitantly only i'll say this there's one man i'll watch tonight and he's shorty mcnutt four twice a touring car circled the block in which were located the offices 
of the Seattle Jewelry Company. On the front seat rode a black dog, his nose held high as he sniffed the air. Five men left the car, and, one by one, slipped swiftly into the building in which the diamond concern was housed. The dog, vigilant as an army sentinel, remained outside. From out of the darkness of the foggy night eight police cars appeared, one by one, and ranged themselves crosswise over the four streets that gave access from the block where the safecrackers were at work. Boston Blackie, with fingers sandpapered until the blood glowed beneath the skin, was kneeling before the big safe when the dog's howl from the street stayed his hand. Framed again, he cried. Dan sense coppers. Let's go. There was a curse from the Montana kid, a prayer beneath his breath from Shorty McNutt. The five men rushed out and piled into their touring car. The dog leapt upon the running board, his neck hair bristling evilly. The car shot away into the night, and then, as the intervening police cars loomed into sight, standing end to end, and blocking the street from curb to curb, the machine in which Boston Blackie rode came to a quick standstill, its brakes shrieking. "'Jobbed!' cried the chauffeur as he glanced behind. "'They've shut us off front, back, right, and left. This car is dead, boys, every man for himself.' He drew a revolver and leapt from the marooned car. The newspapers described the revolver battle that followed. The police, in ambushcade, opened fire. The trapped crooks sought escape through alleys and yards. Throughout the fusillade of bullets, a dog howled moaningly. Two men fled to a fence shoulder-high. A police squad, with Detective Chief Robert Renter at its head, pursued. As the men topped the fence, Renter's guns spat fire, and Boston Blackie fell. The Montana kid turned, snapping an empty gun furiously, and then, realizing his impotence, fled. Blackie staggered to his feet and limped on painfully. A police detective leveled his gun at him at point-blank range. Before he could fire, a black shadow leapt at his arm, tearing it viciously and sending the revolver hurtling to the ground. "'The crook dog!' called the policeman. "'Get him! Quick! He's tearing my arm off!' Larry Renter's empty gun descended on the dog, which, reluctantly, it seemed, relaxed his hold on the officer's arm, and dropped, with glazed eyes and bleeding head. With all guns empty, the revolver battle was over. The fleeing crooks had vanished in the darkness and further pursuit was fruitless. "'What's the net?' demanded Renter of the men at his elbow. "'One man hurt, sir,' returned a subordinate. "'They've escaped, but there's a wounded man among them. "'And they've left one more wounded man behind,' added a second officer. "'Besides, we have their dog and their auto.' Larry Renter stooped over the shaggy, inanimate body Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. 
Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A black Dan and smiled. He's worth any two of the others to me, he ejaculated. We're winners, even if the rest of them did get away. There's one lying in the yard, badly hurt, volunteered a policeman. Renter crossed to the side of the wounded crook and turned his flashlight on the face. It was Shorty McNutt. This is where you've landed me. I might have known it, moaned the injured bandit as he recognized the man who stooped over him. It's McNutt, a paroled convict. We got him safe for a twenty-year jolt anyway, chuckled the chief. And besides, we've captured the dog. A fair night's work, boys. The morning papers played up the story with particular stress on the capture of the crook dog, which now had recovered consciousness and was securely caged at police headquarters, where he showed his teeth at each approach of a blue-uniformed man. Larry Renter, a master publicity man, always for his own ends, went home, thoroughly content. He was more than half-heartedly sorry for his detective, who lay wounded at a hospital. With Shorty McNutt moaning on a nearby cot as he eyed the officer who guarded him. To Shorty, his stool pigeon, Redder gave never a thought. In the morning, with the papers on the street, the phones became increasingly busy. Man after man, and some women, none gave names or addresses, called up and threatened retaliation if Black Dan were harmed. Ranter cracked his knuckles, smiled, and gave the story of the crook world's desperate attempt to save its dog accomplice to the afternoon journals. That night, Ranter made public his purpose. On the morrow, he announced, he would take the now-famous crook dog to court and have him condemned to execution. Another corking story, and not a paper neglected it. This news, it seemed, united the whole underworld in a campaign for the doomed dog. At Washoe Sam's, a dozen men gathered in a room where Boston Blackie lay, a bullet wound in his hip. Marcia, the marigold girl with her hands over her eyes, was sobbing. Don't worry, little woman, they can't get away with that said the hard-faced Montana kid, consolingly. There is no law against man or dog either hating a copper or howling at one. That's all Black Dan done except tear one bull's sleeve. I chipped in 250 to get the best mouthpiece in town to save Marcia's dog. Who's next? I'm afraid Renter won't let him go, said Blackie from his bed. 
there's no harm in trying but no lawyer in the city of seattle can save that dog if my guess is right marcia moaned as if dan's threatened fate and her own were one i never should have let him take this chance she sobbed red dan's last words were treat my dog right he's my pal boys grogan's curse will be on us all if we don't save black dan i love dan we must we will save him she finished with a savage determination we'll try out the lawyer first growled the montana kid if that don't work well i'm ready for anything and we'll we'll all go the limit for that dog red grogan was right marcia he's a pal any man could be proud of i say let's stick to save him no matter what chances we have to take is it a bet boys not a voice was missing in the chorus of approval five bring in the prisoner bailiff they brought in black dan he was in a padlocked cage of heavy wire netting his wounded head was clotted heavily with blood he was panting for want of water but in the presence of a crowd he knew was largely of enemies his eyes glared defiantly and without a pause he kept up his low growling as he saw and scented the uniforms he hated from a seat close to the railing marcia rose and stooped over the cage speaking gently and sorrowfully as a mother might to an injured child black dan's tail thumped the bottom of his cage feebly with a glance toward the busy reporters the young prosecutor rose and addressed the court this uh, defendant is charged with being an outlaw your honor he said four times he has warned his masters a band of crooks and enabled them to escape the police who was in the act of shooting down a safecracker i ask your honor to authorize his execution he smiled across the table at lionel farrell attorney at law and specialist in the intricacies of the criminal code i take note that the prisoner does not lack eminent counsel he added smiling and with a wave of his hand toward farrell we're ready with our evidence call detective reardon one after another the detectives whom he had foiled related black dan's crimes they told of his uncanny instinct for divining their presence and described the plaintive high-pitched howl of warning with which he warned his crook pals the last witness told of a leap in the dark which had dislodged from his hand the gun that contained the bullet meant for boston blackie though the policeman was ignorant of the name of the man he would have shot that seems sufficient said the prosecutor confidently we ask your honor to order this dog's execution at a public pound tomorrow morning Farrell pleaded for his client he argued there was no law proscribing the dog's obviously dislike of the police he contended a dog may howl without meriting death he insisted that even the attack on the officer must be held to be meritorious rather than damning it is proof he said of his absolute though probably mistaken loyalties to those he serves 
I submit to your honor that there is no law that supports the prosecutor's demand for the death of this most unusual dog. They say he is a menace to this community. If so, the woman who owns him stands ready to take him out of Seattle at once. I do, I will, Judge, the marigold girl offered, with a depth of feeling that hushed the courtroom. But the judge, who had read the newspapers, knew what was expected of him. He condemned Black Dan to death on the following morning. He is a vicious brute. That, if nothing else, justifies his death, he said. No, no, your honor, pleaded Mary distractedly. Have them open the cage and see him fondle my hand. Don't touch that padlock, cried the prosecutor, leaping to his feet. The police have received hundreds of threats that this dog's crooked masters would kidnap him from their custody. We'll take no chances of escape. I reaffirm my verdict, said the judge with finality. Next case. 6. At Washoe Sam's, the crook counsel of defense was in session. I knew it, said Blackie, when the verdict was told to him. Whether Farrell's law is right or wrong, Ranter's publicity campaign has damned our dog. Marcia paced the room, white-faced, with nervous fingers clasping and unclasping in an agony of sorrow and grief. Oh, oh, it must not be, she pleaded desperately. Let's send her out to the pound, suggested the Montana kid. I never saw a dog catcher yet who couldn't be bought. We'll send Marcia out with another five hundred to buy Black Dan's life. A dog catcher who won't take five hundred? Well, he ain't human. It's worth trying, but I'm afraid it won't work, from Blackie. Renter is too wise not to guess that we'll try something like that. Let me go. It's the one chance that's left, cried Marcia. It was two hours before she returned, paler, more distressed, more utterly despondent. Hopeless, absolutely hopeless, she reported. There are a half-dozen policemen there guarding him. The place is full of reporters. The pound-keeper wouldn't even let me talk to him. But he did let me see my poor dog, while the photographer snapped my picture. Boys, she continued brokenly, the dog knows. When the coppers are near, he growls as defiantly as ever. I was alone with him for only a moment, and he looked up straight into my face. I saw what was in his eyes. It was understanding of what they will do to him, and determination to die gamely. He wasn't blaming me or any of you. I could read that in the dog's eyes, plainer than if he had spoken. Poor old loyal Dan. Boys, isn't there some way out? The Montana kid sprang to his feet and banged his revolver fiercely upon the table. Whether there are none or a hundred coppers watching that dog, he cried, I'll head a mob to go out there and take him away from them. Who's with me? Every man in the room, but Boston Blackie, volunteered. Wait, protested Blackie. To go out there and try to rush that bunch of policemen 
You can gamble Renter has anticipated something of the sort, too. Means wholesale murder. You boys will kill some coppers, and they will kill some of you. Killing's a bad business, boys. And besides, the chances are a hundred to one you won't get Dan back anyway. Brains are better ammunition than bullets. Let's try strategy. Have you two fast motors, kid? Good. Here's my plan. 7. Black Dan lay in the pound man's cage with his head upon his forepaws, but never for an instant did his eyes close nor lose their watchfulness. In the outer office where the police guards and reporters were keeping a death watch came the sound of laughter. The pound man, in the role of chief executor, was explaining how he planned to get Dan from his cage to the asphyxiation without danger to himself. We'll give him the gas just at daybreak. That's the time the judge said, and this job has to be a lawful execution, eh, boys? That four flushing bunch that threatened to take their dog away from us have found their feet are frozen, a policeman remarked. Too bad they didn't come. We'd... There was a terrific explosion across the street. The sound of splintering woodwork and breaking glass brought the death-watchers to their feet. The policeman sprang to the door. The creamery's safe, said the sergeant in command. They've blown out half the front wall, and the safe door is in the middle of the street. Come on, boys, let's get them. The whole party with drawn guns rushed out, bent upon intercepting the marauders. For the first time since his capture, Black Dan, the crook-dog, was unguarded. Hardly had the keepers of the death watch crossed the threshold of their office when the rear door opened and three men, all masked, entered. "'I wonder where they've got him?' asked the leader. "'We want to work fast.' "'I hear him,' whispered Idaho Slim happily. "'Quick work now, boys.' In a second, the trio were before the door of Black Dan's cage. Slim drew out a bunch of master keys as he glanced at the padlock. "'Easy stuff, boys,' he said. Within three seconds the padlock fell to the floor, and the door was open, and Black Dan leapt to the side of his friends, a free dog. Each stooped to stroke his head. "'We came to get you, Danny, my boy,' said Slim. Well, thanks to Boston Blackie's fireworks, we done it. Let's go. In an alley, a half a block down the street, a car with lights out was waiting. The dog was the first to reach it. He sprang to the side of the woman who sat behind the wheel. Danny, oh, Danny, she cried, throwing her arms around him. I've prayed for this as I've never prayed before. We're going to live square, Danny, my dog, square and safe, on a little farm in the Blue Mountains. 8. Six policemen, entering the offices of the creamery opposite the pound, found a scene of utter devastation. The front door was blown away. The great glass-plate windows were in fragments, and in the street beyond the sidewalk 
lay what had been the door of a safe the safe itself toppled over backward by the irresistible force of the explosion of nitroglycerin lay upon the floor a ruin beneath it pinned down was a man in a second handcuffs were on his wrists and the six policemen uniting their strength had lifted the wrecked strong-box from his crushed leg then the sergeant flashed a light in his face boston blackie he cried exultantly well well this is good news we've been a long time trying to get you blackie but we sure got you right now what did you try to do you almost wrecked the block for once blackie expert though you are you must have miscalculated the strength of your soup blackie looked up and smiled faintly with lips contorted by pain as usual i did exactly what i planned to do mulcahy he corrected i wanted a voice even you coppers couldn't help hearing i gave this box precisely the charge i planned to but my leg was hurt when i came in here and when the safe fell i couldn't move quickly enough to get out from under that's how you happened to get me where's your pals asked the officer suspiciously i know you didn't try this stunt alone gone where you won't get him answered the cracksman faintly i only had one it took six of you to lift that safe he couldn't do it alone and i told him to go and leave me though he would have stayed and given you a battle if i'd said so you fellows didn't get much for your night's work mulcahy he ejaculated as he spied scattered rolls of torn money lying about the floor we got all we came for answered blackie as the faraway roar of marsh's speeding motor car caught his ear what's that inquired the officer cautiously the life of a pal who's been loyal and right all his life a pal who queried the policeman still completely perplexed black dan the dog he's gone and none of you will ever lay hands on him again if i know the girl who owns him the exultant grin on the faces of the policemen slowly faded as they comprehended one of them rushed across the street and was back in an instant sure enough the dog's gone he cried one of the reporters stepped forward and stared into boston blackie's face incredulously do you mean to tell us you pulled this solely to save that dog he asked do you mean to say you took a chance of doing the twenty years they'll surely give you at walla walla for his sake alone that's it said blackie men do time for many things but the best of them is for the sake of a pal a pal like black dan then he fainted the end of black dan by jack boyle